Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Well, it's a pleasure to have uh, actor, director, writer, Justin Chan back on the show um, for his new film, Blue Bayou. Um, thank you so much for being back on Bitch Talk. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a different time, uh, I think, in our lives. I was saying um, last time we saw you, unfortunately, my co-host can't be here, but we saw you at Sundance in 20, was that 2019 for Miss Purple? Yes, I yeah, think it was. Yeah, Jeez, man. I know. <laughs> I know. Ah, you know, like... It's a short time, but right. also a very long time, you know? Yeah. I, I can't believe you already turned out a film, quite frankly, since then, um, especially with the pandemic in the middle of all this. Um, you know, you could just got to do what you got to do, and especially for this film, because it's about something that's very important, I think. You know, um, you know what I think? I think time <laughs> on this earth is very, very, very short. Mm-hmm. And it's all borrowed time. You do not know when you're going to die, you know, right. especially if you, if, you know, as you get older and you have friends that all of a sudden just, just thought you had more time with, Yep. man, we gotta, you know, we just really got to take advantage uh, of what our purpose on this, on this earth is, I think. And, you know, I'm, I'm made to do this and it's, I, I enjoy doing this and, and, um, and uh, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You gotta make it happen. And and you did. Um, so my that wasn't even my first question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could talk about death for the whole rest of this whole conversation. But um, there's there's so many layers to this film: uh, adoption, immigration, interracial marriage. Yes. Yeah, we're still talking about that. Um, police brutality, uh, coming to terms with death, uh, and finding community. Um, did the last four years of American politics kind of shape the story? And if so, how did it? You know, and I just want to kind of make this clear um, because, you know, I, I feel the same way as everybody about the last four years. But I do want to make sure that uh, we know that this isn't a, a Trump issue. Correct. Yeah, this this has been happening since uh, uh, Clinton. And, <laughs> and I, I just want to make sure, because, you know, like we could talk about politics, but... Uh, you know, this is an issue where both sides have to come together in mm -hmm. order for it to change, uh, for adoptees to be able to stay in this country and, and for people to be brought back. Um, but, you know, I will say he didn't make it better. It was on steroids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like he, it, it, he made it worse. Um, but I, 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 you know, I don't want to alienate anyone for, for this particular issue because, mm -hmm. because uh, it's important that, that we serve the people that are being f affected by this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you expand a little bit for our audience about what we're talking about in terms of adoption and immigration? Yes. So, you know, we're talking about undocumented people, but in this particular case, it's adoptees who are brought to the United States as, as U.S. citizen, or U.S. citizen that brought adoptees uh, usually overseas. And the U.S. government acknowledged uh, and legally allowed for a child to be brought to this country. 
the child has you know no say and money is exchanged um, <clears throat> you know and you know sometimes uh, these children are brought and and um, the parents end up not wanting the child mm-hmm. so they get put up for adoption or get put through the foster care system and um, there's no way the adoptive parents are going to continue with the naturalization process except especially because you know this is affecting people who were brought brought here in the 70s 80s and 90s mm-hmm. now there was a child citizenship act of 2000 that grants automatic citizenship to children who were adopted after 2000 but is not retroactive mm-hmm. so that's what we're dealing with here and and um you know it's it's different you know crossing a border with your family these are children that were adopted legally by us citizens mm-hmm. it's it's important that you bring up um the money aspect of that too because um that just clicked with me as well yeah there's a capitalistic side of this there is it's a big business you know and, and you know fortunately like you know adoption the idea of international adoption started in korea and, you know, I will say, like, you know, thinking about shooting this film in Korea, one of the deterrents was I don't think the government would support this because mm. it is sort of kind of like um, n- not something really they really want to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's happening, but we don't talk about it. Exactly. And a lot of money has been made from the export of children, you know, and, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, uh, I'm Korean and I'm not trying to like trash my own, you know, you know, uh, you know, motherland, but we have to say things for what they are sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, (laughs) I could talk a lot about that too. Um, I actually want to switch gears a little bit because you shot in New Orleans, which, um, we can talk about this after the, after we talk, but I'm, I have, I'm a little bit obsessed with New Orleans. Can you talk about maybe, um, shooting there and also your, your little love? maybe. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, uh, so my wife will probably like not like me talking about it, but, but, uh, I dated a girl for quite a long time from new Orleans Uh. and and we had a very serious relationship. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time there, uh, on the West bank and, and, um, you know, the other side of, of the river, you know, not the bourbon street magazine street side. Right. You know, I have a lot of friends there, you know, and, and, you know, they also helped in making this film, you know, a lot of them are in that party scene, you know, mm-hmm. um, and New Orleans has a special energy and a beautiful spirit, despite the amount of natural disasters that they deal with on a, on a yearly basis. And I felt like it, it really was of the same spirit as Antonio, you mm-hmm. know, the resilience of it all and the, 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 the superpower of, to carry on, you know, and. That was one reason, and, and and also I wanted to include the the whole Vietnamese, um, mm-hmm. you know, experience over there in a way that wasn't so, like, heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. It just felt like naturally it just fits in, and, and, and they're um, a community there that is so woven into the fabric of that city. Um, you know, I wanted to get two Asian-American ethnicities into one film. <laughs> So, and see them interact, you know, we don't get to see that. Um, and, um, you know, and, and New Orleans is diverse in, in a different way that Los Angeles and San Francisco mm-hmm. and New York is. Um, there's just so many reasons that I just felt like this is something that will be feel fresh and new, but also emotionally will feel right. 
you know, and also to see an Asian American with a Louisiana accent, <laughs> they exist. Like, yep. And it shouldn't be weird. It should be normalized, just like if you saw an, a Caucasian person from uh, Mississippi with a Mississippi accent. Mm-hmm. You can see Benedict Cumberbatch in the, in, the, in, the, in his in a theater near you in his next, I don't know, like, you know, doing some sort of Southern accent and it's never thought twice about, right. you know? So like, it's about normalization of those kind of images. And it's talking about, like you just said, um, there's Asians in the South <laughs> and there's a lot of them. A lot. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking to someone um, who kind of um, hipped us to, there's a whole Filipino community down in close to New Orleans, but not in New Orleans. And yeah had no idea everywhere everywhere I, I went to Arkansas once in the small 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 city and um you know to visit someone and there was three Vietnamese pho restaurants <laughs> I was like what the hell like how is this even possible and there was quite a bit of Vietnamese people and because of that people were chill like people were like it wasn't a big deal right yeah in yeah. Arkansas yeah right and I had no idea until the last few years that there was like a pretty big pho um, uh, I don't know, market, yeah. if you will, in New Orleans. Um, and Some kind of, of the best that's Vietnamese what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Manhattan street. Like, you know, if, you know, all over, I mean, you know, the Vietnamese food in, in New Orleans is fire. Yeah. No, oh, I want to go. Um, can you talk about landing on the title of Blue Bayou? Because I read um, that it was just a working title just a few years ago. So sometimes, obviously, those don't come through. So how come you landed on that? Well, the song, you know, and, and, and you know, it was actually a title. And, and I found the song, like, pretty quickly into it. But it was Blue Bayou because, you know, I think um, uh, there's a... Uh, just a a ring to it that I just thought was beautiful. But then, you know, I found the Linda Ronstadt song and I started listening to the lyrics. I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I need this song in the film. It needs to come, you know, towards the middle of the film during this Vietnamese party. How do I get it? You know, and I, I wrote Linda Ronstadt, you know. You did. Uh, yeah, a, a letter because, you know, uh, we're a small film. We couldn't afford that song. And right. I think she understood what I was trying to do and she was gracious enough to, to help us. And, and um it's such an iconic song that that um you know it just all works together and and um and if you listen to those lyrics there's a melancholy to it but mm-hmm. it's not overly um sad mm-hmm. so it just is is um a song you would sing you know uh at a karaoke but when it's sung from a a wife to a husband who's about to be deported in the South, it just takes on a whole new meaning. Kind of answered my last question around around Linda, you know, Ron, Linda Ronstadt versus Roy Orbison. Which yeah, one? yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, both are great, but Linda yeah. Ronstadt also is ethnic, right? And, yeah, and also is a leg- American legend. Mm-hmm. You know, and her career is so diverse, mm-hmm. and I just love her as an artist too. How, you know, she decided to. Um, to explore her her Hispanic side yeah. and do it, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, a Mexican album, and and then um, she just seems like she's you know, cut from the same fabric, you know. Um, but um, hopefully, I, I hope that that 
if this movie does well, uh, record sales for that go up for her. <laughs> Agreed. I, well, I listened to both of them this morning, and, and they're both beautiful, but I think Linda's kind of yeah. edges out Roy. I love yeah. Roy. Um, yeah. I think the last thing I'll land on is uh, I love listening to the music and the score during the film, and I love that someone, I don't know who it was, picked Big Frida. Oh, I mean, <laughs> dude. I actually tried to get her in the film. Oh, okay. But she was on tour. Okay. Um, I was like, dude, I got to get Big Frida in this film because she rep- she is New Orleans, yes. you know? Um, I tried to get her, but she was busy on tour, so I just it was just uh, didn't work out. And, and um, you know, but uh, I had to at least get her music in the film. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I really did try to also get the authentic you know, um, energy of New Orleans in the film and, and hopefully, uh, you know, people who see it from New Orleans feel like I got it right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you done a screening down there yet? Not yet. You know, I was supposed to go down there for this tour, but, but uh, you know, I was shooting a film and it just got really complicated. But Well, and then you know. Ida. Yeah, and yeah. Ida happened and like, you know, my love goes to, you know, everybody affected by that and, and you know... Um, but, you know, part of me will always, my, you know, part of my heart will always be New Orleans, you know. Big love to everybody, you know, that worked on this film from New Orleans. It truly was a family. Mm. Yeah. Well, Justin Chan, thank you so much for being back on Bitch Talk. Yeah. <laughs> See you in a couple years. <laughs> oh, no, no. It might be next year. I got another movie I oh, just wrapped. Of course you yeah. do. All right. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Thanks again to Justin for joining us on the podcast again. Check out his new film, Blue Bayou, which is out in theaters now. You can find more info about it and link up with Justin in our show notes. Then be sure to tune in next week when Aaron hangs out in Oakland with a few of the cast members from Top Chef Season 18. Thanks for listening. Catch you then. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions.